Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Those of you who are not familiar, um, as has been stated, we've been going through a study out of the book of Ephesians over the last uh, Sundays in this month. And um, this is the topic that was assigned to me, life in Christ. We're going to look at the passage that our brother Corbin read this morning. Before we do that, I want to really give a little bit of a backdrop, however. I want to make sure that we don't forget the, the basic truths of Ephesians. So we're not going to read from this. So I know immediately you're like, wait, that's way too small. Um, I literally just wanted to put this up there on the slide so you can see just in the first chapter, for whatever reason, this was divided in this way. This one chapter, I've highlighted the things that say in him, in Christ, Jesus, he, him, his body, his feet, him, in him, in Christ, Maybe you're already starting to get the point as we dig into and jump into this letter, the book of Ephesians, where we're pointed over and over to Jesus Christ. And in chapter 1 and verse 3, we read these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So our brother Bruce led off this series by talking about the great abundance, the riches, the spiritual blessing, physical blessing, everything we have because of Christ. God chose Christ to save you from your sins before time began. As you read through this epistle, through this letter, you'll find that you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You were dead in your sins, but God made you alive through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. You were saved by grace through faith, and let's not forget that that is the gift from God. And you were added to the church, and you were connected to God's family because of Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of this building, this household of God that we're a part of. That's the church. And Jesus is our pattern, the pattern for each and every one of us as stones, as the things that make up this building, the church, the gospel is God's plan of salvation. And it's been made known to you and me so that through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have eternal life and hope. This is all because of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, as we segue into the passage that we'd like to spend a little bit of time on this morning, we read, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Four good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what does it mean to walk in good works? What does it mean to have a life that is in Christ? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Uh, I just want to tell you that uh, there are two things that I think of when I read this passage. First of all, there's, there's some disgusting stuff here. And there is disgusting stuff all around us in the world today. Those are facts. The other thing, as I read this passage, it makes me sad, brothers and sisters. 
it makes me sad that this is what we see around us in the world. And perhaps in some ways, as this letter from the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, was written to the church at Ephesus, written to us, the church today, there might have been some who maybe continued to walk a little bit in this way. So there might have been a slight rebuke here when he says, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Because that's not where we're supposed to be. And I don't think any of us would have any question or doubt about what God wants, that this isn't it. But this is the verse that really smacked me in the face. In Ephesians chapter 4, in this passage, 17 through 32, in verse 20 out of the ESV, that is not the way you learned Christ. So I have to admit, the reason it smacked me in the face is because I remembered those time after time after time, unfortunately, as a young child, as an older child living at home, the many times I would hear my mom say, I taught you better. Oof. That, like, I felt that when she said it. Because every time she said it, she was right, okay? She was absolutely right. Whatever it was that I did that was not like how she taught me, I taught you better. You know better. Ouch. Truth. My mom speaking truth into my life. And it's not just about little things that she likes and didn't like. It's literally about the stuff you should and should not do because you know better. And so don't walk, don't walk like the rest of the world walks. Don't do those things we just read about in those first few verses, 17 through 19, because you were taught better. Well, what? What, what, did you, what were you taught? What is that? This isn't the way you learned Christ. Okay, so we're going to keep the focus, the centrality of this message about Christ, because that's what we see here. So let's go on and let's look at what's continued to, to be said here in Ephesians chapter 24, verse 21. We pick up again. This is not the way you've learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So, some of us, including me, still have some things we need to learn. We still have a lot to learn. We sometimes have to go back to the basics. We need to make sure that we focus on the things that are most important. We need to learn Jesus. No, I'm not talking about your fifth grade book report. Right? I'm not talking about when you go read the book and you put together a little outline and set of facts and then you, you, know, you spew it out to the class and you hopefully... You're, you're petrified about having to get up in front of people and say, I'm not talking about the book report about Jesus. I'm not talking about so that you can um, write his story in your own words, where you could be his biographer. Yes, I'm, I am talking about you getting to know him and learning facts about Jesus and learning about Jesus. But this is more than just book knowledge about Jesus. The reason for this is because, in some sense, he tells us what you need to know about Jesus. The truth is in Jesus, church. 
The truth is found in Jesus. And the truth in Jesus says this. There's some stuff you need to get rid of. And there's some stuff that you need to do. And so that's the concept that we see here in these verses. That we put off the old man and we put on the new man. This new creation. Paul gives us the imagery here of the Christian who's dumping off their dirty clothes of their sinful past and instead putting on the righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ. So again, I think back to growing up, and I think to um, some of you have these cool fancy things they call mudrooms. In my house, it was called the laundry room, or the, we usually called it the utility room. I have no idea where that term came from. But it was kind of the back door where we got to come in. And, and for good reason, we usually entered there. Because lots of time, again, my mom would check us at the door and say, oh, 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 don't go any further. Stop right there. Take off those dirty shoes and those dirty clothes before you come into this house. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're going to come into the house of God, you need to dump the dirty clothes and put on something different. And we're going to talk about what that something different is. What is this new man that we see here in the scripture? But that's the imagery here. And then in verses 25 through 32, if you want to keep your finger in that or look at that as we go along, that would be fine. We're not going to read it all the way, but we're going to learn more, if you will, about Jesus in this next section. We put off these things. We put on this new man. What does that look like? So in verses 25 through 32, we see this list. I don't believe it's an all-inclusive list or an exhaustive list of every possible thing that the Christian should put off, those dirty clothes of sin, sin that need to go away, that we get rid of. But it's an excellent place for us to focus attention and time on. These things that need to be put off. Lying, anger that leads to sin, stealing, corrupt words, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. Okay, so you and I, as we commit to Jesus, he's our savior, he's our Lord, he's our master. We're recreated, we are a new person now. These are things that we put off. And I want to be Captain Obvious. These things are not Jesus. Okay? Jesus, perfect, sinless. Therefore, you could have this entire list of sins and every possible sin ever known to man, the full list that could go 8 or 10 or 15 or 20 PowerPoint screens full, and we'd say, not Jesus, not Jesus, not Jesus, not Jesus, not Jesus. Because that ain't Jesus. Okay? So put these things off, but what do you put on? So in this passage, he gives us some specific ideas of in these particular cases that you see on the screen, instead of lying, you need to do this instead. Speak truth. Instead of sinful anger, you need to be able to control that anger. There's a place for it, but don't give place to the devil. What about stealing? Instead of stealing, put on the new man. Work. So you can give, so you can serve, not take. Instead of corrupt words, why don't you 
have words that are filled with grace that actually help somebody and build somebody up. Instead of things like bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice, be ye kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This is the new man, the new person. These are the things we are to put on. And again, let me be Captain Obvious. These good things are Jesus. This is Jesus. This is who he was. This is who he is. This is who he will forever be. So let's get to know him. We need to learn more about him. We need to emulate him and his character. So when we talk about this idea of putting on the new man, this Greek word for new in this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 does not mean something more recent in time. It means something that has a different quality, that has a different nature. So we put off the old man and we put on a different nature. We have a different quality about us. Look at these passages that help reinforce this principle, and I hope maybe shed additional light on what it is that we're talking about here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've been made new in Christ, this new life in Christ, so live like Christ. Put off those things. Put on the new. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Brothers and sisters, this is what we are to work toward. That we would be patterned, conformed, changed, converted to become more and more like Christ. Remade in His image and to live in His image. Conformed to the image of Jesus. So this is the concept. And this transformation in our life is all about putting on Christ. This passage I love in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, and the, the imagery again that it gives us. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay, so you, lots of you, I don't know exactly who and everyone who is and isn't, but lots of you have been baptized into Christ. Okay, so this means that you, whoever you are in this audience right here in this moment and listening online, you have put on Christ because you were baptized into Christ. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> what does it look like? What, 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 is the, what are we trying to get across here? So this idea of to put on means to be clothed with, and it indicates that you assume this other person and their nature, and their character. Okay, So to be clothed with a person really is this Greek phrase that gives us the idea of a stage play and actors in a play. 
So you all know what plays are, the theater. So someone who takes on a role, a role that they play, it means to imitate another. And, And we know just from the world around us, when we think about a play or a movie, right, the best actors are those who research their role. So maybe they're going to play a certain character that's a historical character, for instance. And so what do they do before they play this role? They probably read lots of books about that person. If that person wrote an autobiography, they'd probably read it. They'd probably read biographies that other people wrote about that person. They'd go through all the old newspaper articles and try to get this right 360-degree view of who is this person so I, to the best of my ability, can portray that person in this play, in this movie. Right? We understand those kinds of things. And that's what this is talking about. And so the best actors are those who not only research their roles, but they like practice that over and over. There are some who I heard, I've heard that as they're playing a certain role, that they refuse to get out of character, even when like the production has stopped. So the play's over, and they go, and because they're going to do the play again the next night, and the next night, that whole next day, they stay in character, even when they're not on stage, right? because they immerse themselves into this other character and into their role. And so as many of you as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You took on a role and you have a responsibility to portray Jesus to your world. And so when you're clothed with Christ, when you've put him on, then you need to be in character. I have to be in character. So Kelsey when she was really small, someone gave her a, a, a little ballerina tutu, right? And when she was really small, um, she'd put that on and she'd twirl all over the house. That's just what she did. It's not because she had some training in ballet. I mean, she was pretty good, but she had no, no formal training, right? But she assumed the character of a ballerina when she put on that tutu. It's probably because of all the Barbie ballerina movies she watched and those kinds of things, right? She'd seen this somewhere, um, somewhere around her, and because of that, she knew what to do when she put on the, the dance tutu. Um, and, and so she assumed that character. We are to assume the character of Christ. When you're baptized into Christ, you put on Christ, then that's who you're to become. That's who you're to emulate. We strive to be like Christ in every way. By committing your life to Jesus, you've committed to copying his character and his way of living. That means you've put off things from your past and you've put on things that Jesus would do. It becomes who you are. So I want to quickly say this idea of putting off things and putting on things is not just a list of do's and don'ts. Because a lot of Christians have this idea that, well, as a Christian, it's just, I got to follow a bunch of rules. Don't do this, do this. And there's more to it than that, church. 
what we are to do is to put on Christ. And so when we do that, we don't have to sit and worry about what we do and don't. We think of what would Jesus not do in this case? What would he do in this case? We immerse ourselves into his character. And it's not about putting on Christ to show up on Sunday morning. That just won't do. That is not renewed. That is not a new person. That's a fake. That's a fraud. But instead, it's every single day I put on Christ and I go to work for the good of the kingdom, for the cause of Jesus. Even more than that, I want to stress this. When we put on Christ, it's not about being a different or a better Craig. Because our world loves to talk about this idea of you be the very best version of you. Scrap that plan, okay? I mean it. Scrap the plan of trying to be the very best version of you. Because what I mean by that is it's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about Christ. And so that's what I'm going toward. If I'm just trying to be the best version of me, I'm going to fall flat and I'm not going to be what God wants me to be. But if instead I fully commit to being like Jesus, now I'm pleasing and glorifying to God. Galatians 2 verse 20 says it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life in Christ is Christ living in you. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. We read verse 32. I want to pick up there and I want to go on to the next two verses of chapter 5. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I just want to ask you this. It tells us here, after we've learned about putting off the old man, putting on the new person, we've talked about what kinds of characteristics you should get rid of and the kinds of characteristics of Christ that you should put on, and then it says, imitate God as dear children. How would you imitate God? What would that look like? Well, I assume, likely, you would study the Word of God. You'd go to the Bible, and you'd say, I need to learn more about God and who He is. And, and that's a way that you would try to imitate, emulate God. What better way to learn about God and who he is than by studying God in the flesh, the very character of his son, Jesus? What better way for me to imitate God than to see God at work as a human in the character and the nature of Jesus? We're commanded here to walk in love. Where are we pointed? As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. It's following the example of Jesus' love. That we are to love as he loved. 
In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus' words are, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So I put on Christ. Christ lives in me. So how do I walk? How do I live? How do I act? I act in love. I walk in love with my frame of reference being Jesus himself. So I love as he loved. I sacrifice like he did. Not to the extent that he did. I can't do that. But I strive for that. That's my goal. I give. I serve. And there's no doubt there's some things Jesus wouldn't do. Okay? Unlike you or me, perhaps, unfortunately, when we are tempted, Jesus would not lash out rudely and unkindly to someone who frustrated him. Jesus would not try to put someone in their place by showing them he is smarter than they are. Jesus would not think that his life should be easier because he was so faithful and good. Jesus would help the wounded. Jesus would have compassion on those who are hurting. Jesus would encourage those who walked in faith. He brought peace and goodness and kindness and forgiveness to all, to us. So we walk like he walked. We walk in love. And when we act like Christ, when we copy his character and put him on, when we're clothed with Christ, there are countless good things that come of this. Back to our brother Mark's topic in Ephesians chapter 4. With all lowliness and gentleness, we bear with one another. Guess what? When the church is involved in that kind of attitude, the very character of Christ, guess what is the result? Peace and unity and blessing and the glorification of God the Father to everyone around us, each and every one of us and everybody out there. Good things come when we follow in the steps of Jesus. Back to our brother Glenn's study. He had Ephesians chapter 6. You'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, just like Jesus did in the flesh while on earth. If you're strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, and when you put on the whole armor of God, and if I think about, if you think about the whole armor of God, and we just start ticking through those things, things like righteousness and truth and salvation, guess what? We're talking about Jesus. These are Jesus things. So we put those things on, and guess what? We're able to stand against temptation. We're able to emulate and copy the character of Christ that causes us to be victorious, not because we're awesome, but because He is. Because He is. So we rush headlong to these good things that are found in Christ. And blessing occurs. The standard must be Jesus. The objective must be to mature. To become more and more like Him. This passage, backing up in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen. 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I know you guys are tired of hearing me say this, but this says till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is body work. We do this together, individually and collectively. And there are roles and responsibilities for my elders to equip me for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body, and you, and others who are involved in this. And each of us has a role and responsibility for each of us, again, to be patterned after Jesus, the cornerstone, which is what Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, as we're built together in this building, this temple, this household of God that we're a part of, the church. Each of us working to be more and more like Christ. And then together, we approach, we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is important. We have to have this knowledge of the Son of God. Research your role. Learn Christ. That's part of what makes this happen. So that we become a perfect man and everyone stops and pauses and goes, okay, good, then I'm out. Not about me. Not talking to me. Not perfect. Right? You aren't. I'm not. This perfect man, you know what it means, church. You know that it means completeness. It's talking about being mature. If you read on in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that henceforth you not be any more children tossed to and fro. So here we're talking about maturity. This is what we're striving for. And we'll find it in Christ based on the knowledge of the Son of God to this perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's maturity that we're going for so that we aren't children who are tossed to and fro. Everything we hear, just we're kind of wishy-washy and we go this way and that way and we go back into our sin and we live like the Gentiles do. No, that's not what we do. Instead, this word stature here gives us the idea of the growth of a person. And the stature to be attained to was that of Christ. He is our standard in every single thing. So we strive every day to become more and more like Jesus. Here's the reality. I need to be less and less like me every day. And I need to be more and more like Christ every day. I don't mean to oversimplify this, but I very much mean to make it as simple as we can make it, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about Jesus. That's what this is about. As we've studied Ephesians together this month, let us be reminded of the importance of Jesus in our lives. I owe Jesus, my life. I owe Jesus my life. You do too. Each of us does. So are you a student of Jesus? How he lived? Do you know Jesus? We have to learn Christ. We study him. We follow him. We emulate him. We wear his name. So we represent him. 
Whose character are you trying to copy and live in your life every day? Let's not forget the basics. Always focusing on the most important things. Learn and live Jesus. When time ends for you, and they write the story of your life, please make sure that the main character is not you, but Jesus. So how should you respond to this message this morning? What are you going to do about it? What does that look like? What are you convicted of? What are you encouraged by? These are real questions that we need to grapple with because this is serious business. This is life or death. And we have eternal life in Christ. So let's put on Christ and let's live him. So we have a couple of options for ways to you respond. You do not have to respond in public this morning. But someone may want to have the church pray for them, for strength, for help. I don't know your situation. I don't know what's going on in your life. But there is a body of believers here, the body of Christ, the household of God that has come together that is willing to support you and help you because we want to be like Christ. We want to serve. We want to love. And we'll be alongside you because alongside you together, we stand against sin and the devil. We are not here to look at you down our nose and to wonder about what's going on in your life and what you should do. We are here together to combat sin and to honor Christ. And so maybe you need prayer. There may be someone here this morning that has been taught about Christ, but they've never really committed their life to him. They've never been baptized into Christ to put on Christ. They've never had their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus to have the remission of sins that we find, forgiveness, to have life eternal, to have hope. And so this morning, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and as your Master, we'd ask you to come and to say that I want to give my life and dedicate it to Him and live for Him forever alongside my brothers and sisters. We would rejoice with the angels if you made that choice. Or you may need to talk to us privately later. You have options. How will you respond as we stand and sing? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.